Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! ...with a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Fear It Goes. We have an incredible interview this week. I am so excited to share his story with you. His name is Tom Berendretz. Tom is a hockey player. At the young age of 13, he played for his national team in the Netherlands and then came to the U.S. At the age of 14, he tried out for the USHL, to which he was given offers for several teams. And at the age of 15, he signed on with the Colorado Thunderbirds. And it was a very short period of time after that that Tom's life took a turn. And you'll now hear about that in the podcast. I hope you enjoy part one. Welcome to Fear It Goes, the podcast all about taking your fears with you and doing it anyway. I'm your host, Randy Taylor. Tom, I want to welcome you to Fear It Goes. Tell me your story. So let's start from the beginning when you got scouted right. and what you got scouted for and how it all began. So uh, it, began, it began a long time ago. So I started playing hockey at the age of like, say, seven or eight uh, back home in, uh, in the Netherlands, in uh, Rotterdam, where I grew up. Um, and I did really well. I, um, I moved up teams very quickly. Um, I was in the national team uh, pretty quickly in their U16 team, their U18 team. Uh, even though I was like 13 or 14 years old, at the age of 14, I uh, I already signed uh, in our pro league, which we call the elite league or the Eredivisie in Dutch. Um, and I mean that was a great accomplishment, but I knew there was more to hockey than you know playing pro hockey at 14 years old in the Netherlands. And like I mean, it was it was fun, but it was not uh, the thing I was looking for. And uh, I've been fortunate, right? No, no. Yeah. And I I've been fortunate enough to uh be going to the u.s like every year uh with my parents and uh my family you know just to travel around and also to train here with a guy named zach sikic uh that i met when i was about 11 years old and uh i mean i've been training with him then for the past for those 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 years after that and he told me once i signed you know at the top level in the Netherlands, he's like i mean dude you gotta you gotta come over to the u.s i mean there's no re- no point of view still playing in, in Europe. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's what I did. I came to the U.S. I uh, trained there and I got drafted to the USHL for the Sioux Falls Stampede, which is like the top league um, in the U.S. for guys until the age of 21. Obviously, I was still 14, 15 at the time, so I wasn't going to play there right away, but I did participate in their tryout. Um, and that's where I got multiple offers from, from several teams and uh, in the triple A uh, tier one elite league, which is like the highest league um, for guys until the age of 18. And then at 15 year olds, I, uh, 15 years old, I signed with the Denver or the Colorado Thunderbirds um, that are located in Denver, uh, which was a tier one U18 triple A team. Um, well, and that went all, uh, all went very well. Played there for a season. Uh, 
sometimes I flew back to do some national team stuff because I also played several world championships with our 18th team and our uh, world junior team, our U20s team. Um, and then after that season, I decided to go back to the Netherlands because obviously I hadn't finished high school yet. Um, and, you know, in, in the Netherlands, and for sure in Canada and the U.S. too, you need to finish high school. Yeah. Um, you, you can't just quit. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nor <should. laughs> Right. So that's kind of what I did. So I had to go back. So I had to do two years in one year because I, I missed the year. Um, so I, I kind of skipped one. Uh, and somehow I, I graduated that year uh, when I was 17. Um, and that's uh, when I decided, you know, to go back to the U.S. Because that past season, I, I still played hockey, but I had to go back to our, our pro league in the Netherlands. Uh, that was then a new league because we also shared it with Belgium now. So now it was the Netherlands and Belgium. Um, but like I said, I graduated. And then I signed with the Madison Capitals um, up in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. And uh, that was going to be, you know, my comeback to the U.S. And, and play there. And if everything went well there, my plan was going to be, you know, play college hockey. And from there on out, see if I can make the NHL or some, some other pro league. Um, so I went back to the U.S. Um, but that's kind of where, uh, where it all went wrong uh, pretty quickly. Um, I had been feeling, like, pretty sick. Like, I had, like was like uh, fevers at night and like night sweats and um, just just lack of energy most when of the time. When did that start? I think that was about about eight weeks before I went to the U.S. I think it was the beginning of the summer. I think. Uh, so you were seventeen. Like, you just graduated. Yeah. So so that would that would be July uh, summer summer two thousand sixteen July ish something like that. So I think I just signed with the Madison Capitals, and I think I just went on vacation to like Spain and Curacao, uh, just hanging out with friends. And that's when I started noticing like weird stuff. And uh, yeah, that that was around July, and uh, you know I started noticing like just a bunch of weird stuff. And I went to several doctors first in Spain. Uh, I went to a guy because um, I had a lot a lot of back pains as well, and they started looking at it. They were like, "Oh, it's some." Uh, some injury or some injury you have uh, because of hockey. So like, all right, sure. Cause I've had many back problems and like growing problems and stuff like that. So obviously I believe them. So I went through like acupuncture, which are like little needles and stuff like yep. that to, you know, release the pain. Um, Did it help? Yeah. For like a day and then it all came back. So <laughs> that didn't work. So then I went back to the Netherlands and that was like one day before my, I had to go to us. I went to like an actual, actual like good doctor, and they were like, "Oh no, it's just pain." And same thing as basically the other guy said. So you have like pain medication, um, which in the end even made it worse. Um, but uh, <laughs> then I went to uh, to the U.S. and you know the, the medication obviously didn't work at all. Um, and I just moved in with my new host family up in in Madison. Like I, I barely knew these people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I just had like a lot, a lot of pain. Like I could not, I could barely function. If I had the pain, I could barely function, but it would just, it would just kick in. It's not like something I had throughout the day. It would just usually at night would just kick in. Uh, so that's when I went to a chiropractor, um, of the, of the Madison capitals and he started looking at it and they started like treating it with like, Oh, like electricity stuff. I'm not sure what it actually was. It was like 
it was like some new type of type of treatment stuff. So to to uh, you know to make sure the pain goes away. But you know it's, it kind of worked for like one or two days again, and then it would all come back. And then I started having like you know during practice, I noticed that I just started you know I just had no energy, and I started puking during practice like seven wow. times of practice, stuff like that. I mean, I in hockey we're pretty tough, so. If you if you puke during a practice, especially the beginning of the season, because you're maybe not in that great of shape or whatever, uh, which you should be, but it, it happens. Right. Um, I mean, we we don't re- we don't really complain or something about that. But this this was ridiculous. Even my coach was like, you know, that's what have you been doing? Or, have, 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 <laughs> have you been, been doing? Yeah. Every night. <laughs> right. That's what he told me. I'm like, no, I did not. I did not at all. I worked out all summer. Like I was I was in shape. Um, but yeah, that that uh, I I just did not feel good at all, and then I went up to like northern Wisconsin to spend a weekend with my new host family to like kind of get to know them because like I said, I barely knew them, um, and I was like jet skiing and like uh, water skiing, like yeah, I was just having fun and stuff. And I uh, one of those days, I started like looking at my like legs and like the inside of my arms. And I started having like bruises everywhere, so that was kind of when I figured like something this is really this wrong. something is getting is is really 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 wrong. And I even I come out of a family full of doctors, um, <laughs> so I said, and and they were all like, oh, no, nothing, no, 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 there's no, there's nothing going on because I sent like pictures of like my arms and they were they were blue, like they were, it looked really bad. Yeah, they were fully bruised. Um, and the first thing I saw. Uh, when I looked at the bruising is that I had one bruise that I could explain. All the other bruises were just there out of nowhere. They, they would just be there overnight. So it was not like something I, I bumped into something. And it was a bruise. But one of the bruises I picked up already like three weeks before that. That was, uh, that was my coach who shot me like right at the arm. Wait, and it was on my tricep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the bruise had not, it was still the exact same. So, and then other bruises started coming in that, you know, we're supposed to be there. Um, and that's kind of when I was like, God, oh, this is really weird. And I started having my petechia, we call it. It's like little, little dots, um, little like blood dots, like red bluish they were. And I started having like underneath my eyes and on my arms, and my legs. And that's when I was like, all right, now it's, now it's done. I don't care what anyone tells me that nothing's going on, but this is not good. So that's when I figured that I had to go into the emergency, uh, or the urgency emergency room, and uh, I went there with the dad of my like, well, well mom, well, yeah, right. Yeah. So it was like the grandfather or something. So <laughs> barely knew the guy as well. He drove me there, um, and then uh, you know they they looked at my blood, and then right away they said come with us, and I had to go sit in some uh, some uh, some room there, and then you know the doctor came in. And uh, I already looked at his face, and it, and it didn't look really well. So I was like, "All right, see, uh, see what he has to say." And that's kind of when he told me that it, uh, it, they were almost certain that it was going to be uh, leukemia. Um, and at the time, I had no clue what leukemia was at all. Um, I mean, I was a pretty smart kid in school, but biology and stuff—that was that was, those were subjects that I dropped really quickly. Uh, so <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> right. Right. So I was like, um, I, I had no clue what it meant. So I was like, sure. Um, give me some medication and I'm, I'm out of here. Cause I, I don't have any time for this, this right. stuff. Right. So, and <laughs> that's when he, <laughs> right. 
But I saw from the reaction from the grandfather that it was not good because he like almost fell backwards from his seat. Um, and he immediately ran out of the room and started calling people. So that's kind of what I figured, you know, this is, this is not, this is, this is not good. So, and then the doctor asked me, cause I was still 17 at the time. I, it was, it was September 4th. I turned 18. I was going to turn 18 on September, uh, uh, 10th. Um, so in the U S especially when you're not from, from the U S, um, there's a lot of paperwork you have to go through when somebody's not, you know, uh, 18 or older. So the, the grandfather had to sign all the stuff and blah, 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 blah. And he was not really, you know, allowed to do anything because I was a minor and he was not my actual father. Right. Um, so they had to call my parents right away. Somehow they were awake. Um, and uh, they started telling them about, you know, what, what was the situation like. And then immediately before I even knew it, I was in, in an ambulance back, going back to Madison on a three hour trip. And the next morning I was, uh, operated or like uh, operated on my arm and they put like a pick line in just like a uh, like a like a line in your arm and before i knew it i was attached to chemo so oh that's kind of how i was introduced to uh, leukemia so um did, yeah. did your parents give i'm guessing that's your parents saying yes please do whatever needs to be done because that yeah. sounds like it was a well, my- gosh and you weren't very privy to this information <laughs> Right. So my, my dad was already there the next morning. He, uh, cause when he got the call, he went straight to the airport and he flew to, to Madison. How could you so, not? <laughs> right. Yeah. So by the time I woke up, he was, he was, he was, he was there. Um, and I still really didn't have a clue what it actually was. Um, I didn't really want to Google it cause that's not usually not something you, you want to be doing in that, in that situation. So I, so I, so I didn't do that. Um, but what they did start telling me was like, you know, we need to start treating you right now. Because normally within like the, the type of leukemia I have, which was acute lymphoblastic leukemia, uh, which is a very, very like aggressive type of blood cancer. Um, usually you should be dead within like six to eight weeks. And they had never seen like such slow like blood levels like my platelets. I only have like six left. And you need to have like 150 or between 150 and like 300 and you need to have, right. And you're, I mean, I had, I had no hemoglobin left. Um, and you should, you should have been, you should, I should have been dead for like weeks. Just like, how are you standing? <laughs> right. I mean, I was, I was on a jet ski that day yeah. and I, I, I was like, you know, just having fun. I mean, I noticed that I wasn't having the energy that I normally would have, but I mean, a little, little flick to my head could have, you know, killed me at the time because i had no blood in my body but and there so there were really surprised i, I could still walk and stuff most right. people should not even be able to to open their eyes that, that's that's yeah well that that was that's what they said and i was like you know i, I feel shitty but i can still kind of do my things um like, this is what and, it means to push through <laughs> right yeah right. that's kind of what i told them <laughs> right and uh you know, that's kind of what I told them, but that 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 was because I was in such good shape. And I, I mean, I had been working out all all my life, basically, and especially that summer because I want to be ready for the season. Right. Um, but you know, that that Sunday, that September fourth, that was literally one day before my actual practice started. So I didn't even get to meet my team at all. I, I met like I think like four players of, of my team, um, and even and the next evening instead of being at the rink for first practice i was attached to chemo so that was not not really a good deal um but yeah i was i was treated in the us i think for only about 3 weeks cuz uh 
Uh, well, U.S. U.S. Uh, healthcare is a little expensive. Um, <laughs> just a touch. <laughs> yeah, just just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, so I uh, I was treated there for like three weeks. Um, I had you know a whole whole bunch of chemo's. Um, even on the day on the day of my birthday, they even gave me chemo. They didn't give me a day off, and that that chemo um, actually almost killed me because there is chemo's. Uh, there's always a chance that you're allergic to some medication. And this chemo, you have like a below 5% uh, chance of being allergic to it. And of course, I was in that 5%. So they had wow. to save me with like an like a EpiPen, which I had to carry around all the time as well. Wow. Um, yeah, the, the chemo hadn't even touched like my, my, my blood yet. And I already you know, couldn't breathe anymore and stuff like that. So imagine what it would have done if the chemo actually went in, in inside my line. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, that was a pretty shitty birthday. They, they still gave me a, a birthday cake, but that didn't really, <laughs> didn't really help. That, that you wanted to eat at that time. I'm positive. You wanted to eat that cake. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, you know, I, uh, was treated there. Um, so for three weeks and because I was, um, allergic to that chemo, um, I had to get the chemo or like a, a, like a sister version or a brother version, whatever you would call it, of that chemo. Um, and that was only available, not throughout IV, but only throughout injections. And a half an hour of chemo, like a full chemo, uh, uh, IV chemo, yeah. um, was, you know, I had to do 18 injections. Oh. <laughs> 18. And I had to get the chemo four times. So that was... That was uh, those were a lot of injections, about 72. Um, and those are not small needles, I can tell you that. Where, so, where do they inject those? In my legs. Oh. Yeah, because, oh. I mean, that, that's where the most the mass muscle. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but there was muscle everywhere. So, I mean, everything hurt. Um, I mean, yeah, muscles just hurt. They can't really, like, numb the area or something. It's just, it's going to hurt. So, when um, you're going through all this treatment... This has got to be like terrifying. It's not only the unknown, but it's like you're forced into something that you know nothing about and it's life or death. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't even have an option, but I, I was always you know, pretty positive. Um, and I always told the doctors, whatever percentages they come up with, I didn't really, I didn't really care what they said at all. Uh, I just went with the flow and uh, I knew I couldn't really do anything about the fact that I got the disease. Um, and that, you know, um, obviously you're undergoing the treatment. Uh, I can't, I can't kick leukemia out of my body or something. So it's letting the doctors do their, do their job. And most of the time it's just a mental game. That's how I looked at it. Um, and, you know, um, being an athlete, that that's tough and that's a tough world, but this is, this is a whole another level. So that, that, you know, it's, it shapes you as a person. It's interesting that you just said that, um, it's a, it's a mind game. It is a mind game. Yeah. We yeah. are defeated or not defeated in our heads first before anything happens externally. Right. Exactly. And that's why a lot of people are always like, uh, I mean, there's, there's always a lot of fuss about, do you beat cancer or do you not beat cancer? Like, obviously you don't beat cancer, um, by, you know, kicking his butt and <laughs> kicking out of your body. I mean, that doesn't right. exist, but I am a, a big believer in that you, uh, if, if your, if your health or if your, if your mind is in the right place, mm -hmm. um, that will help you a lot, definitely. And 
no, I just always stayed positive and believe that I would get out of it. And uh, that, that really helped me. And I think it's more, like I said, a mindset and, and, and a mental game than, than the other stuff. Because the chemos and stuff, that's going to happen. And whatever happens physically, that's, that's up to the doctors and up to a bunch of luck as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so, okay, so there obviously had to have been days when things didn't feel so optimistic and when you're throwing up or whatever, because I'm assuming that that's what chemo does. I've, I don't know if it's radiation or chemo that makes you throw up. I, I never get those. Uh, bo- both. <laughs> both. Sorry. Most mostly chemo, I would say. I have both, so I can, I can talk out of experience. Um, I, uh, from chemo, I was more, uh, I, was, I was really, really sick, like really sick. Like I would have hours where I would puke at least 10 times. Uh, it was bad yeah (laughs) okay so days like that they're rotten they're horrible the experience is horrendously bad how do you stay optimistic how do you stay how do you stay in that healthy mindset because man oh man that's where most people break down and say screw this right yeah i mean and that's what most people do um you know i just and most people don't really find anything to hold on to and what i was just did was you know um Obviously, I always told myself that I was going to be back. You know, I was going to play hockey. And I always had a vision board for myself up as well, nice. where I would post stuff that, you know, in a year time, I'll be, I'll be you know, doing this again, doing that again, or whatever. And, uh, and, and that really helped me. And I also looked at other figures that inspired me. Figures, um, what do you mean by that? Like, just, just other people. Yeah. Um, maybe motivational speakers like Tony Robbins, but also yeah. other figures that, that had nothing to do with cancer or even motivational speakers, but um, I like their mentality and the way they were. And I just, you know, I started looking at guys like that. Um, and that really helped my, uh, helped my mindset as well. And I, I always had a mindset of a winner because I, I hate losing, especially as an athlete. Um, <laughs> so that doesn't sound my- like the kid that got into hockey at the highest level at the age of 30. Right. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of that, that helped me too. Like my just my athlete, like my athlete mindset that mm-hmm. I already had, like a winner's mentality, um, and you know, driving through adversity and you know, over overcoming adversity, pushing, right? Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry, I didn't. I just didn't mean to totally interrupt your story. I was just very curious <laughs> how you keep that. Um, okay, so um, we move forward. So we've gone through chemo. And now what? And, and you said you left the States. So you went back to the Netherlands? Yes. So I was only in the States for like three weeks. And then obviously due to uh, some medical or some, some insurance issues, I had to go back. Um, and I, 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 I obviously wasn't able to fly or wasn't allowed to fly. So what they first did was send a private jet, uh, which sounds cool and all, but you had to fly. I had to fly from like Madison to like New York to like Greenland, to like Iceland, to like the Netherlands, <laughs> which is like a 20 hour flight. So um, when I heard that, that's when I told them like, yeah, that's, that's not really going to happen. Uh, I'm not going to be doing that. So what they did is they, uh, they like bought the whole first class of a regular flight. And I was there with like doctors and just me and then other people in, in, in the in economy or comfort or whatever. And I had like the full, uh, like first class to myself. So they basically uh, had you like strapped down to a bed or how did that work? That no, was I was just, I was, I was just, no, I was just in a, in a regular seat. I, okay. Like at first class, they're, they're already beds. I mean, you can, you can decline the, the seat all the way. So it's kind of like a bed. 
Okay. Um, and then I flew to the Netherlands, uh, but I was always wearing like uh, you know uh, a thing in front of my mouth so to cover everything so I wouldn't you know get sick from other people right. um, and, and stuff like that. So you could definitely see there was something wrong with me at the time. I hadn't lost my hair yet, so you couldn't really see that. Um, but I was always wearing like a like a mouth guard and stuff like that. So um, then I was in the Netherlands and then directly thrown into an ambulance and um, driven to the hospital in back in Rotterdam mm -hmm. and thrown into an isolation cell, um, which I was already a little bit familiar with. Um, and then, yeah, that's, that's what kind of where I spend a whole bunch of time like on and off, but I would say about seven months in total uh, of treatment. And I've spent most of the time in an isolation cell. Um, because they're concerned about illness, right? Yes, because because all the chemo becomes like zero. Yeah, absolutely right. zero. So yeah. yeah, yeah, obviously that um, that uh, I, that 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 meant I had to be in isolation most of the time. And I, if people wanted to visit me, which most of the time they really couldn't, um, usually they had to wear like a suit or, or something, or it had to be one hundred percent healthy or whatever. Because otherwise, they could not come close to me. Right. Um, so I went through hard in itself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a mind yeah, trip. Right. I know that was uh, that was a lot of fun. I could sometimes I couldn't even see what was what was in my room because they were like wearing this like weird weird ass suit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, and that was that was you know, about seven months of treatment through from like September through like like February March ish, um, and uh, I actually in 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 in. Uh, uh, or in, in those, in those months I had, I think about, I would say eight chemos a week, something like that. What standard? I don't know, like maybe once a month or once a week. <laughs> so something very like aggressive treatment. Yes. Yes. I, I had every single chemotherapy they have available in the Netherlands. That's what I know. They, they maybe have more here, but I, I've had every single one in the Netherlands. Um, so when people message me now on Instagram, they're like, oh, I have, I'm on this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah, yeah I've yeah, done this that. this one will do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, I've, I've had like every single chemotherapy um, so for like seven months. And then um, I actually got um, to go on like a make-a-wish trip because officially I was I 17. I was 17 when I got the disease, like when I was diagnosed. So it was six days before I turned 18. So I was still eligible for that. Um, and I got to choose, you know, because I, I was pretty sick at the time when I, when I, when they were going to do something. Uh, so they were like, I mean, we can also do it when you're, um, uh, when you are, you know, healthy and recovered again. But I didn't really know if I was going to recover ever again. So, right. Uh, cause I wanted to go, you know, some, some crazy place, but I wasn't allowed to leave the country or anything. So what I, well, yeah. So it was like, you know, uh, I either, you know, choose to do something now or I wait and then I get to do something maybe even way cooler, but maybe I'm not there. So I was like, all right, we'll do something now then. So I got to, you know, drive around with, I brought like all of my best friends and we went like on a, with like a limo. We were driving around all day throughout uh, the Netherlands and we went to like, you know, some fancy restaurant and uh, we did a whole bunch of cool stuff. I can't even remember exactly what we did, but it was a cool day. So I got to spend that with my friends and then, well, March, um, 
or like February, March, it was, they already decided I had to go uh, through a stem cell transplant as well, or bone marrow transplant, whatever you want to call it. Which is um, excellent that you were in the Netherlands because they don't do that in the U.S. They do that here, though, in Canada. They so don't do it in the U.S.? No. Stem cell oh. is, is illegal there. They don't allow that. So it's interesting. Different countries have different rules around stem cell. So you were in the oh, right really? place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that, that was, that was, uh, that was interesting. So I had to go and, and do that, um, which I, I didn't really know what it was, but, um, I was like, sure. Cause the other route was going to be two years of chemo. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and that route is, is lighter because a stem cell bone marrow transplant is a lot, it's a lot tougher road than doing two years of chemo. And, um, two years of chemo is already really, really bad, but a stem cell bone marrow transplant has a lot more risk. And, you know, a lot more consequences. But if they pull it off right, if everything goes right, the chances of it coming back are way smaller than when you go through two years of chemo. Right. Because bone marrow, I didn't know that you could actually, very much like an organ transplant with bone marrow, your oh, body it's, can reject it's, it. It's, it's not like, uh, yeah, they, they can reject it, but it's not like they will take somebody's bone marrow and place it in my body. It's not like an operation. Right. So what they do is they kill my bone marrow by just shit on the chemo. And in my, uh, my uh, case, they also did radiation, which they normally don't do for, I mean, leukemia. Like radiation is usually used for cancers that are just in, in one spot, like breast right. cancer or, or, you know, testicle cancer or something like that. And that concludes part one. So tune in next week to hear the rest of Tom's interview. And surprise, we have a follow-up interview with him coming as a part three. Super exciting because Tom has some very interesting things going on in his life. Can't wait to share that with you. If you are loving Fear It Goes, which of course you are, please leave us five stars and comment below. So until next week, my beautiful souls, thank you so much for listening and have an extraordinary week. Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.